You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I've never taught it to you, but it goes something like this. If you know it, I want you to help me. God's so good to give us so many blessings undeserving. That's what we are. We ought to thank Him, love and praise Him a little more today and a whole lot more tomorrow. Kind of a simple little chorus, but let's try it again. God's so good to give us so many blessings undeserving. That's what we are. We ought to thank Him, love and praise Him a little more today and a whole lot more tomorrow. I'm telling you, God has been so good to me. God's been so good to you, if you're honest. And I love these psalms because as you read these psalms, you just kind of get the idea that David just pours out his heart and says, Lord, you've been so good. And Lord, I just want to praise you more. I want to love you more. I just want to thank you more. And I just want you to know how much I'm thankful for your goodness in my life. Notice verse 1, David says, bless the Lord. It's found again in verse number 2. Bless the Lord. It's found again in verse 1, bless His holy name. We get to the end of the chapter in verse number 20, bless the Lord, ye His angels. Verse 21, bless the Lord, all ye His hosts. Verse 22, bless the Lord, all His works and all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord, I pray that we would bless and praise and honor and worship You tonight. I pray that we would be reminded tonight that This is not just a command for church time, but this is a command for every day of our lives. Our our soul ought to bless you, Lord, with everything we have, with our being, with our words, with our actions, with our attitude, or with our hands and with our feet and with our eyes and with our mind and with our ears. And Lord, all that we have, we ought to bless you and show forth our gratitude and our thanks to you for being so good. I pray that you'd help me as I do my best to present this psalm tonight. I pray that it'd be a blessing and be a help to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see first in this psalm, we see David's desire. His desire, his his goal was he said, I just want to bless the Lord. The word bless, it means to praise, implying a strong affection or a strong love for God, as well as a sense of gratitude. You see, you can't truly bless the Lord uh, on the outside without really having it on the inside. It's not just going through the motions. And I'm afraid sometimes our Christian lives, that's what we think the Christian life is. I got to walk a certain way. I got to talk a certain way. I've got to look a certain way because I want everybody to think that I'm a Christian. Friend, honestly, I hope people can see it. And that's part of being a Christian is letting your light shine. But if you don't have any more of of Christianity than just on the outside, that's not going to last very long. And I sometimes wonder if you're saved, if if you don't have any more love or any more gratitude or any more of a, a passion to do something for God. And I understand there's growth and I understand all that. But boy, if God saved you, you ought to tell somebody about it. 
if God has done a work in your life, hey, let's not be secret service Christians. Let's let people know the good news. Let's bless him. And David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. The word soul is literally, it's your mind, it's your heart, it's your, uh, it's your, your mental and, and, and emotional control center. David said, I'm not just blessing the Lord with my lips. I'm not just blessing him with my actions. I'm not just blessing him with what people see, but I'm blessing God. I'm praising him with everything I have. I just want to bless and praise him. That was David's desire. By the way, the best way to bless and praise the Lord is let it start on the inside. Because if you let it start on the inside, it's coming out eventually. If your praise for God is only on the outside, that may or may not ever make a difference on the inside. But our praise ought to be from the inside out. Bless him with everything that you have. Verse number uh, uh, one, it says, Oh, my soul and all that is within me, everything I've got, all my passion, all my energy, all my focus is just to bless and praise his holy name. Notice verse two. We see not only David's desire, but number two, we see God's dealings. That word benefits in verse number two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That word literally means all of God's works, all of God's favors, and all of God's dealings with us. Now, you have a job and you work at your workplace and uh, many of you have some kind of a benefit package. Uh, not even your salary, not even your paycheck, but you have some benefits. Uh, some of you have a retirement that you're looking forward to. Uh, you have some kind of insurance, perhaps, or you have other perks. And maybe you don't have perks like what we have at the church. You don't have the, uh, the, the house in Hawaii like we have for the pastor. And uh, you don't have the, uh, uh, the, 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 the plane that we have and the Rolls Royce. Maybe it's not like that. How you know we don't have those things, right? Maybe your benefits, maybe you say, well, it's not as much as somebody else, but thank the Lord you got benefits. Some benefits are better than no benefits, but I'll tell you, you've not seen anything compared to the benefit package that God gives. Notice with me God's dealings. It says in verse number two, forget not all his benefits. Verse number three, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Benefit number one. The greatest benefit that you have, the greatest benefit I have, if we didn't have this benefit, none of the others would matter. The first benefit is that you have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been washed away. Hallelujah for God's benefit package. When you got saved, your sins were forgiven. But sometimes we forget the benefits, do we not? We think, oh, my life's so hard being a Christian. My life's so hard serving God. Hey, I'll tell you, your life may be hard, but it's not nearly as hard as the drug addict. It's not nearly as hard as the person who's on, uh, addicted to alcohol and the person who's living immoral and the person who's living in sin and the person who's living in jail and the person who's living with regrets from sin. Your life's not nearly as hard as that person. I will promise you that. Your benefit package is, one, you've been forgiven. Number two, it says, who healeth all thy diseases. Now I'm telling you, I'm glad that God heals. We were talking in men's prayer tonight. We we're talking about some people that God has healed and God has worked miracles in those situations. Now, David did not have the benefits that we have of modern medicine. 
He did not have the ability to go in for a scan or to go in for an MRI or to go in and have x-rays done like we do. And many times we can see different things that are wrong. But David just said by faith, he said, I know that God is able to heal me. Doesn't matter what the disease is, God is able. I'm not saying God will heal you of every disease, but I'm saying this, God is able to heal you. He's the great physician. He's the Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. And, and, and one of the benefits of our God and one of the benefits of the Christian life is that God is able to heal. He's the healer. Not only that, but verse number four, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. We sang the song tonight, I stand redeemed. You know what God redeemed you from? He redeemed you. He bought you back from a life of sin and a life of shame and an eternity in a place called hell. And I'm glad that his benefit package includes redemption because God redeemed us. He redeemed us from the temporal destruction of this life, but he redeemed us from the eternal destruction of the lake of fire. Notice what it says in verse number four. He redeemeth thy life from destruction and he crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. That terminology there to be crowned. In Bible times, it was obviously there were some crowns that kings would wear. There were crowns that royalty would wear. But there were also crowns that were conferred like we would confer an award or a, a plaque or a certificate. And David said, Lord, you've been so good to me. And Lord, I just have to bless you because I feel like everywhere I go, I feel like I'm walking around with the crown of your blessing. I just feel like everywhere I go, I just, I can't help. It's, it's all over me. I, I, I wear it on my head to let people know that God has blessed me and God has honored me and God has uh, been gracious to me and God has been merciful to me. And you say, well, what was David wearing on his head? He was wearing a crown of God's loving kindness and God's tender mercy. Boy, you can't put a price tag on that. I'd rather have that crown than a crown of gold and jewels. I'd rather have that than a crown of, of silver or precious stone. But God's loving kindness, God's tender mercies, hallelujah for that. What a blessing to be the recipient of the goodness and blessings of God. You can get some pretty amazing awards in your lifetime. Maybe your, your company will recognize you or a community will recognize you or uh, maybe military will recognize you. But I'll tell you, there's not a, a greater achievement than to say that God has bestowed upon you his mercy and his loving kindness and, and, and his tenderness and his compassion. Notice the benefit package that God gives. It says in verse number five, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, one of the benefits that God gives is that he has the ability to satisfy you. You say, but, 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 but I, I need something different than so-and-so. Okay, maybe so. But God knows what you need. He created you. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows the longings of your soul. He knows the cravings. He knows all those things. And God is able to satisfy. God is able to give you completion. He's able to give you what you need. He's able to meet the needs that you have. First Timothy 6, that God gives us all things 
richly to enjoy. Psalm 37, 4, uh, Brother Caleb spoke on this last week. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I want to tell you, God is in the satisfaction business. So if you're not satisfied, if I'm not satisfied, if I've been saved, if I've been born again, and I have, and if you've been saved and born again, and I hope you have, if you've been saved and you're not satisfied, the problem is not on God's end. The problem's on your end or the problem's on my end. The problem is we're looking at the wrong places. Now, obviously, God's benefit package is better than any earthly benefit package. Um, I, I read, this was years ago, I remember a t-shirt that somebody wore and it said, um, you know, uh, uh, being saved, uh, the, the pay's pretty good, but the retirement is out of this world. You know, I thought that was good. But I know God's retirement and God's, God's benefit package is better than, than earthly things. I understand that. But do you understand sometimes what we do is we like to look at somebody else. We like to say, I wish I could be in so-and-so's shoes. I wish I could have so-and-so's job. I wish I could be in so-and-so's position and drive their car or live in their house or I wish I was in their situation. I wish I had their health or I wish they had their abilities. And you know, the truth is, you'd never be happy. You'd be switching every day because you'd switch with somebody and then you'd find, oh, somebody else you think's got it better. And by the way, sometimes the people you look at and you think they've got it all together and they've got it figured out, the reason that they have that is because they've just experienced the grace of God and they've endured trials and they've endured pain and they've endured the problems and all you see is the smile and all you see is the joy of the Lord. But on the inside, it's a heart that's been broken. It's a heart that's been through it, but they've learned to be satisfied in Christ. We just need to get satisfied. We need to get satisfied with our marriages. Boy, I tell you, I'm, I'm amazed at, at how the devil is under is attacking our homes and our marriages. And the devil's trying to tell people that you don't have to be a good Christian. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to pray. And you can live however you want to. I want to tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because you'll never be satisfied apart from Jesus. You'll, we need to get satisfied with our marriages and with our homes and with our jobs and with our, our houses and with our cars and get satisfied with what God has done and the benefits that He gives. Notice verse 5, He satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. It's interesting that David uses the illustration of an eagle in Isaiah 40, 31, we see another illustration of the eagle. And that's where uh, Isaiah writes and says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. An eagle is a picture of strength even in old age. I, I, I so often I think about some of the folks we've had in our church who have been up in years and I find out how old they are and I'm thinking there is no way because of their strength and because of the health and because of how God has blessed them. And I want to tell you, God can do that for you and God can do it for me. God can renew your strength. You say, Pastor, I'm, I, I'm done. I'm worn out. I am so old. I am. I'm 40 years old. I just can't go on another day. I don't know how old you are, but you could say, I don't know that I can do it. And you probably can't. 
But I'll tell you who can renew your strength. I'll tell you who can give you uh, wings like eagles and who can help you to run and help you to keep going. And that is God. That's part of his benefit package. He gives you strength. I'm not talking about vitamins or supplements or uh, Red Bull or anything like that. I'm talking about God giving strength. He's able. But notice with me, not only his benefit package, but notice now how God works. It says in verse number uh, six, he executeth righteousness and judgment. For all that are oppressed. The word oppressed here, it has the idea of those who were affected by harsh laws. You say, I know, Pastor, I think, I think we fall into that category. We get taxed to death, it seems like. Well, we do, but we have no idea what it's like to be under harsh laws like people in Bible times. We have no idea what it's like to be affected by unjust governments. We have no idea now what it's like to be in slavery or in bondage or to be in chains. We have no idea what it's like when uh, unrighteous decisions are made in courts of law. And maybe you say, well, I do know, and, and maybe you do in that. But can I tell you, God is able to execute righteousness and judgment for everybody that has been oppressed. Maybe you feel like you've been oppressed. Maybe you feel like you have not gotten a fair shake. Maybe you feel like things have not gone the way that they should for you. Maybe you feel that oppression on you. I've got good news for you. God is able to right the wrongs. God is able to bring justice. God is able uh, to set the record straight. Notice verse number uh, six, verse seven. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. We see David's desire. We see God's dealings and God's benefits and God's goodness. But then we see number three, we see God's direction. It says in verse seven, he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. That word ways, that can refer to God's laws. It can refer to the way he deals with people, but it can also refer to the direction that God gives us. I tell you, there's times in life where we don't know which way to go. Have you ever been in that situation, maybe with a job or a big, big decision, and, and you just thought, I don't, I don't know if this is the right decision. I don't know if this is the way I should go. Uh, my wife and I, we were, we were in that situation now about six years ago, and we knew we wanted to follow the Lord, and we knew we wanted to be in the center of God's will, but we just had to pray, Lord, you've got to show us the way. We don't want to make a wrong decision. We don't want to move cross country and find out that it was just what we wanted. But Lord, we need you to show us. Moses in Exodus 33, he was in a similar, um, not a similar situation to us, but he was in a situation where he didn't know what to do. And he made this statement to God in Exodus 33. He said, Lord, I need you to show me the way and I need you to lead me. And he said, Lord, if you don't lead me, he said, if you don't go with me, Moses said, I refuse to go. Moses said, Lord, I'm not going anywhere without you. Lord, if you're not in the equation, I don't want to go. Lord, if you're not on that road, I don't want to be on the road. Lord, I want you to lead me and I want you to show me. I don't know what decision you're facing here tonight. I don't know. Maybe it's a, a career opportunity. Maybe it's a, a financial decision. Maybe it's a spiritual decision. But I'll tell you this. I wouldn't make a move. I wouldn't make a decision unless I knew God was in it. Because God is able to direct and God is able to show you his way. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. 
God's direction. Would you notice his God's demeanor? It's found in Psalm 103 and verse number eight, his demeanor. He said, oh, I bet God is mad. I bet he's angry. I bet he's up in heaven. He's just ready to come down and just to squash us. Well, let's see what verse number eight says about God's demeanor. The Lord is, what's the next word? Oh, hallelujah. Tell you why I say hallelujah, because I need mercy. Because I make a mess out of things and I make mistakes and I do things and I say, why did I do that? I'm glad God is patient. I'm glad he's merciful. It says the Lord is merciful and what's the next word? Gracious. Oh, I'm so glad for God's grace and graciousness. Then it says he is slow to anger. Now, some of us could take some good advice from that. And some of us could slow down a little bit. If God is slow to anger, I think we could be slow to anger. God is slow to anger and he is plenteous in mercy. That's his demeanor. Notice with me, if you would, turn back to Exodus 34. Exodus 34, God's demeanor. Oh, I'm so glad that God is not like we are. If God was like we are, it would say he's going to fly off the handle. He's going to make hasty decisions. He's going to make impetuous decisions. He's going to uh, 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 act now and think later. But I'm glad that God is not like that. Exodus 34, verse number 6 says, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. He'll visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. We see that God is merciful. It says in uh, Psalm 103 and verse number nine, he will not always chide. That word chide, it means to strive or to contend. Neither will he keep his anger forever. Now, hang on. That doesn't mean that God's never gonna judge us. That doesn't mean that we get by with sin. But here's what it means. When God does judge, he's very quick to love us back to himself. When God does have to punish us, he's very quick to wrap his arms around us again and say, I love you. You know how we are with our children? Yeah, I don't know I should say. I know I don't know how you are. I know who I am. I hate to discipline my children. I hate it. Some of you think, oh, it's the best part of parenting. Well, God help you. I hate it. I, I do not like it. But I'll tell you what I try to be quick to do after discipline is I try to be very quick to say, now, Lacey, Savannah, uh, Chloe, Kyle, I love you. And, and, and Daddy doesn't punish you because he hates you. Daddy punishes you because he loves you. And I'm glad we've got a father who will chasten us because we are his children, and not because he hates us, but because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. Verse number 10, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Somebody say amen. Aren't you glad we don't get what we deserve? Aren't you glad that God doesn't deal with us the way that he should deal with us and the way we would deal with us, but God is ever merciful. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 11, we continue and see his demeanor, and his demeanor is explained. His demeanor is illustrated in two different ways. It says in verse 11, 
For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. You want to know how great God's mercy is? Well, here's what David said. As far as the heaven is above the earth, as far as the farthest star that you can see, that's how great God's mercy is. Now, I'm not very good with science and all those things, so I had to look it up. I know I, know I learned it at one point in school. But the farthest star that we can see with the naked eye, of course, back in David's day, they had no idea how far that would be, and they had no idea how far by measurements. But the farthest star that we can see with our naked eye is 16,308 light years away. That is almost 6 trillion miles away. Now, that's how great God's mercy is. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is His mercy toward us. Hallelujah for God's great mercy. We can't even begin to comprehend. Uh, we can't even begin to fathom. I said six trillion. It's six trillion miles away. That's one light year. And the farthest star is 16 thousand light years away we can't even begin to fathom the vastness and the greatness of God's mercy here's the next illustration it's found in verse 12 as far as the east is from the west so far hath he removed our transgressions from us many Bible scholars believe that at this time the people would have believed and the people would have still thought that the earth was flat now, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, he knew, he said, he that sitteth on the circle of the earth, speaking of God's sovereignty. And so he knew that the earth was round, but many people in this day certainly did not know. Remember, even when Columbus took off sailing, they said, you're crazy. Uh, you're going to fall off the edge. But it's amazing that God inspired David to write, our sins are as far as the east is from the west. Now, you've heard this before, I think, or I know I've heard it before. But if it would have said, your sins are as far as the north to the south, you could measure that, right? Because if you traveled north and you got to Virginia, and then you went a little further north, you know, and then you went up, I mean, you know, you went to Yankee country, you know, that far. And then you went beyond there, you went up into Canada. And then you went up beyond there and you got to the North Pole. And after you got to the very top, you'd start coming down south, right? And so you can reach the point where you stop going north and you start going south. But what if you went east? How far could you go east? You, you'd still be going and a thousand years and ten thousand years and you'd still be going east because you could keep going east because you travel east and you just keep going going round and round and round and you never reach the end of where east and west would end can i tell you that's how far god has removed our sins from us i'm telling you i'm glad god didn't set them on a shelf and say all right i'm putting them out of reach but if i need to i'm going back and i'm going to pull those out and remind you about it they're gone You've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been redeemed, and your sins are nowhere to be found. Micah chapter 7, Micah says that our sins have been buried 
in the depths of the sea. Now, I'll tell you, that's pretty deep. The ocean, on average, is two miles deep. That's the average. Seventy uh, percent of our earth is covered with oceans. We've only explored five percent of the oceans on our planet. Only five percent we've even explored. I was telling the children a couple weeks ago in, uh, in our children's choir that the deepest part of the ocean is in the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean. There's a portion of that trench that's called the Challenger Deep. That spot they have measured, it is 36,000 feet deep. If you were to put Mount Everest, we're talking like seven miles deep. If you were to put Mount Everest in the bottom of that trench, Mount Everest, the tallest mountain on earth, would still be covered by two miles of ocean. They have discovered some, some, some fish and they have discovered some things that Mariana Trench, they said, these are nowhere else. They believe there's still millions of species of animals that live in the deepest parts of the ocean that we haven't even seen yet. You know what else is there? Our sins. They've been buried in the deepest sea. You couldn't go get them out if you wanted to. They couldn't be found if you sent a search party after them because they've been buried. Hallelujah. That's the demeanor of our Lord and Savior. He is so, so merciful. I see number five. I see quickly his design. Notice verse 14. He knoweth our frame and he remembereth that we are dust. Verse 15. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. God's design, he made us. He knows what we're made of. He knows what we can handle. He knows that our life is short. He knows that our flesh is weak. He knows that we're a needy people. But aren't you glad that God's mercy is so great? Verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. You see, our, his design of us, our time is short. But number six, his duration is forever. His mercy is everlasting. You say, I'm afraid I might use up God's mercy. No, because it's everlasting. You say, I know it was good for my parents, but I'm not sure it's going to be good for my children or my grandchildren. What are they going to do? They'll be just fine because God's mercy will still be alive and well. His duration, number seven, I see his dominion. God's dominion. Uh, verse 19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. I'm glad that God is in control of the whole thing. He doesn't just have the United States of America under control. He's got the Middle East under control. He's got Russia and China under control. He's got all of the world rulers under control. His dominion, his control is over everything. And we stress and we worry. We just don't know if it's going to be all right. Friend, I got news for you. Everything's all right. Everything's under control because of his dominion and his power. And then number eight, lastly, I see our duty. Verse number 20, bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength and that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works and all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
You see, the angels are praising the Lord and we should bless the Lord, verses one and two, like the angels do. The angels bless him continually and so should we. The angels dwell in his presence and so should we. The angels do his commandments and so should we. The angels listen to his voice and they listen to his word and so should we. The angels do these things and yet how much more should we who have been saved by the grace of God, we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, how much more should we bless him? How much more should we minister and do his pleasure? You say, well, what's our duty? What is our responsibility? It's to bless the Lord. It's to praise Him and to bring Him honor and to bring Him glory. And as it says in verse number 21, to do His pleasure. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.